everyone, and welcome to another episode of Culture Calls, a monthly podcast by Culturelytics, where we talk all about culture and organizations, why it matters, and how leaders can get to grips with it. Today, we're extremely pleased to welcome Nadia Petkova. Based in London, Nadia is director at the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development, the EBRD, where she leads the bank's regional network in charge of finance and development for small and medium-sized enterprises, or SMEs. In this role, she and her team provide advisory services and financing to SMEs across the bank's net countries of operations. Nadia has more than 20 years experience in banking, portfolio management, and financial analysis. Through her work at the EBRD, she has special expertise in agribusiness and in structuring private sector deals across the region. She took up her current position in 2017 and leads a team of more than 150 professionals across nearly 30 countries. We're going to be talking with Nadia today about employee well-being. Like a lot of organizations, Nadia wanted to understand how the pandemic and the shift to remote working has affected the well-being of the bank's employees in her network across Europe. So Culturalytics came in and used our AI-backed well-being assessment platform to provide an accurate picture of well-being in her network. So this is how we know Nadia. So welcome, Nadia. We're so pleased to have you here to talk about a subject that I know is very important to you and close to your heart. So let me start with you. I'm just wondering if you can start by telling us a little bit more about uh, your work at the EBRD. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm very, very pleased to talk to Culture Lytics today and share my perspective on well-being in the workplace. The EBRD, as you said, Clay, it's not really a household name in the UK. So let me tell you a little bit more about the EBRD, uh, which was which is headquartered here in London, and it was established uh, in the post-Cold War times in the early 90s to really facilitate the transition towards competitive and well-governed and resilient market economies. Since the beginning, this is we added a few more countries other than countries from Central, Central and Eastern Europe. We also have operations in North Africa as well as Turkey, but always with the idea to help countries achieve their goals in becoming more competitive, well-governed and resilient market economies ultimately. So our team, my team, is one of the biggest in, in the bank. Uh, as you mentioned, claim more than 150 professionals across 30 countries. We are focused on working with micro, small and medium-sized enterprises. We provide directly advisory services, know-how transfer, also access to finance, which are ultimately critical for the growth and the development of the small uh, businesses because small businesses account for the majority of the private sector in most of the countries especially in the countries where uh, EBRD operates like Central Eastern Europe, uh, Central Asia, uh, North Africa as I mentioned as well as, as Turkey. My journey at EBRD personally started oof, it's more than 21 years ago actually <laughs> to be to be precise I started as a very, very junior uh, number crunching banker uh, in the early 2000. Uh, and um, I spent roughly half of my time in the field and between split between the field and headquarters. And I think I'm mentioning this because it's very, very important for us as an institution, our work in the field and working directly with companies because we at EBRD work primarily with the private sector. Around 75% of our investments are in the private sector. 
and the private sector for private sector you need proximity you need to be close to them in order to understand their needs uh, and how to structure best uh, tailor-made transactions for them so therefore uh, my experience in the field has been extremely extremely rewarding but the most rewarding part of my journey at EBRD have been the last five years since I joined the small SME finance and development team. Why? Because we work directly with micro companies. We change lives and we can see how we do that. So the impact of our work, the engagement with the private sector, and most importantly, the development angle of the bank is very visible in my operations, in the operations of, of my team, which is extremely rewarding and motivating. Yes, I can imagine it is. You get real live stories about people trying to um, create a business, build a business um, in the context where it's important uh, engine for economic uh, advancement in these markets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure you have many, many stories it's, uh, of where the banks actually helped people realize their personal dreams and it's good for the economy. That's fascinating. Um, so let's now talk a little bit, now that we understand a little bit more about the EBRD, because I think you're right, um, it's not necessarily a household name, so that's great. Thanks for that background. So let's talk a little bit now about well-being. Um, employee well-being is clearly seems to be something that's moving up on the agenda of companies, I think, organizations, large and small, actually. So um, especially since the pandemic, I think. So um, tell me a little bit why uh, you think it's important, both generally um, for, for you as a, as a manager of any organization and why it matters in particular to your work at the bank. Yeah, well, to be honest, I mean, well-being should always be on the top of the agenda of any employer, of any manager. Why? It's very, very simple, because organizations are made of people and a happy, engaged and motivated workforce is one of the keys to success of any organization. I, I really believe that this can be achieved only if people are fulfilled and satisfied at work, especially given that we spend the majority of our time there. So for us, for my team, for the organization I work for, fostering a culture of well-being is, is essential. The pandemic, to be perfectly honest, has only crystallize the importance of, of well-being because important part of our work are the interpersonal interactions which we have with clients, between colleagues, ideally in person. So what the pandemic took away from us for good one and a half years is exactly this interaction. So lockdowns has exacerbated the situation as most of us had to juggle between family, work obligations from the same home office for a very, very long time. So well-being ultimately suffered as a result of that. I oversee a very diverse team in the bank, which cuts across many borders, many time zones, many languages, and most importantly, many cultures. So ensuring that the team's well-being, the team's well-being is critical because this keeps people motivated, keeps the enthusiasm up and the engagement high, which, which is very, very important. And let's face it, for some cultures, even admitting that you have an issue from, let's say, mental point of view, you know, well-being point of view, it's a, a taboo, it's a no-go. So even breaking some of these cultural stigmas has been a big, big challenge for me and for people who under me who manage manage teams. So for me, the culture and fostering the culture of well-being, but not only in terms of compassion and empathy, it's very important and it's critical. And we have proven over the, the these challenging times that, that we can do that uh, together. 
Yeah, that's also very interesting. I mean, the bank, um, the EBRD, as you said, you're already working remotely because you're working across so many geographies and so many cultures. That was an interesting point and different approaches, perhaps, to well-being. Uh, so you're managing <laughs> well-being at the same time you're imagining that diversity in approach. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the specific challenges, things that happened to you uh, in terms of well-being through the pandemic and and how you're managing or how you have been managing them? And, and, and do you think this is here to stay? Has it changed the way the bank is working? Well, I think the most important thing is that we shouldn't really underestimate the huge impact and the disruption and the stress and the uncertainty which the pandemic has put on people people's mental health on all of us. Uh, it has the important thing is that he's has blurred the lines between workplace, private life, and make made it harder to maintain this balance. And I think that's that's very critical because now it's even more difficult at home to know when your work day stops because we are 24-7. If something happens, you need to be there. And I feel that many of my colleagues have this dedication and determination which is a blessing, but at the same time is a curse because you cannot really separate. But more, more importantly, when we were forced to close the office in March 2020, there was a lot of uncertainty as to how long it's going to last. To be honest, we all packed thinking that we should be back in a couple of weeks. We also, like many big organizations, struggled at the beginning keeping everybody online remotely because during the first couple of weeks, because obviously we were not made to work all of us from home. So even you know being online and being able to communicate and connect to people was uh, was a challenge during the, the first couple of weeks. Of course, we overcame it afterwards, but at the beginning it was. If you think about it, some of our internet providers have failed us. The moment we moved to our ethics and we realized the internet didn't work, we all <laughs> found out what a booster is so that you can put few in your home so that they can reach the the, the attic upstairs and be able to, to work. Exactly. But and as if this was not enough, we had our kids moving back with us 24-7. Yes. Some of us, some of us being cramped in very small flats with no option to work quietly in the spare bedroom because there was no spare bedroom. So very trivial, one would say, and sometimes now, in retrospect, funny challenges, but it was not funny back in 2020 yeah. and not at all. So how how we responded, I think, as I mentioned, empathy and compassion for people's diverse situations. In order to help our team manage the stress, we maintain open communication channels at all times. I remember I was having uh, uh, open coffee. Whoever wanted to call me, I had dedicated sessions uh, um, a couple of times a month, so people can just call me and they talk if they have whatever issue they might have. That's interesting. Uh, did, did they yeah, use that? Can I ask they you? Did, did they use that? They mm -hmm. did not the first time around, but afterwards they realized, you know, because it's very easy to set up what we were used to. You set up a call, you discuss specific topic. Nobody anymore picked up the phone to ask you, how are you doing, actually? Mm -hmm. A very, very simple question. And not necessarily talk about work, but how are you coping? So I think people appreciated that. But also checking in with colleagues to see how they are doing, as I mentioned, uh, uh, and if they need any support in any form or, or shape. This was also something which we did. Candid discussions were held very regularly, not only me because I have people who manage people under me. So obviously a group of 150 people, you have a lot of mid-level managers. So everybody was yeah. doing this, I know, on a, on a regular basis. 
and we also provided uh, um, a lot of flexibility in terms of working hours to accommodate difficult family circumstances as it was necessary and it was necessary in in many many cases so what i i have to say that despite all the challenges and the challenging circumstances we went through actually our team and i'm extremely proud of our team because we supported each other and we continued to pull together and continued our work. Just to give you a few examples, we moved in a matter of a couple of months almost seamlessly into online advisory work for SMEs. So we discovered all the platforms we can work, we connected like from Zoom to WebEx to just Net Teams, whatever was possible in order to stay connected to, to the SMEs. We um, also moved to digital delivery of a lot of services which we provided. Uh, including for new clients, it became normal and common to meet a client for the first time on the screen, for example. Yeah, it, yeah. We were not able to travel. Yeah. So, yeah. but also, I think I'm extremely also proud from the organization I represent is that you are one of the first uh, uh, IFIs which put together a liquidity crisis support package of 2 billion for our uh, countries across uh, across the different countries of operation to support and in, in, in inject liquidity in the system. So if you think all of this, the, the fact that people see how the institution was reacting and accommodating, this kept the team very motivated and engaged. And I think Absolutely. I'm probably the most proud of because everybody was so motivated and everybody was upbeat. I think also, of course, adrenaline has kicked in for many people. We need to deliver. But I think the self-motivation was very, very high during, especially during the, the COVID times. And you asked the question, what do I think whether the hybrid is here yeah, to stay? Yeah, yeah. So although, you know, it has blurred the, the, the hybrid, sorry, the pandemic has blurred the lines mm -hmm. between, as I mentioned, home and workplace. I believe remote work is here to stay because of the flexibility. Because mm -hmm. of the flexibility, it allows for rearranging our work in and our personal life in a way that better fits us. But most importantly, in doing all of this, I believe we have proven that our efficiency does not suffer. And I can say that for my team. Actually, the, the not the more, but the if you give a balanced flexibility to the people, they tend to give the best of themselves. How interesting! Almost an uh, entrepreneurial spirit in your team. You were faced with a with a challenge, and you've actually uh, provided, in a way, new services or new ways of delivering your services. Um, so you may have actually uh, helped some of your SMEs uh, yeah. uh, develop those things as well. So interesting. It's actually so uh, here to stay, but the solutions here to stay. Yeah, perhaps as well. I think so. Yeah. Um, uh, let me ask you a little bit beyond COVID. Um, obviously, um, I, just to see whether or not uh, um, the bank or the fact that, you know, because of the services you provide, because of the work that you do, and because of where you are in Europe, um, if there are any well-being challenges related to that. Um, you know, Europe is obviously going through a challenging time right now um, uh, to great extent because of the conflict in Ukraine. Obviously, so presumably your, you know, your clients, your SMEs are also going through some difficult times. Are there well-being um, issues that have stemmed from, from this? Yeah, no, no, uh, uh, absolutely. We, when, uh, when we started coming back to the office uh, last year in September, October, we thought 
okay, COVID is almost behind us, so let's get on with our new new normal life going forward. And then came 24th of February, uh, 2022. Uh, as you know, we we have uh, we operate obviously in, in Ukraine. We have a very big team. I personally have a very big team. So all the the, the, the people needed first to be relocated in a very very swift uh, manner, and the bank did amazing job in that in that respect. Uh, so. Um, Obviously, the war and the traumatic events around it have affected colleagues from Ukraine, but beyond, because also there were a lot of uh, countries, uh, neighboring countries, which also felt very much threatened by by everything that's happening. Whatever, however, what I want to say is that it was incredibly heartening to see the support from across the board for Ukrainian colleagues but also Ukrainian people, who, refugees who have moved. Many colleagues actually in HQ have scrambled to find space in their homes to coast refugees really? wow. here. But also teams in neighboring countries have established remote networks to create shelters for refugees. For example, in Moldova, we were at the forefront um, of that. So equally, the war triggered I mean, amazing support from our team who worked tirelessly to help mm-hmm. small businesses who were affected directly by the war. We're helping yeah, yeah. them relocate to a safe location, establish new business partnerships. Mm-hmm. Just a few examples, just a little bit of color. It was a week or two weeks after the war has started, and we have this amazing shoemaker in Ukraine which wanted to go to an exhibition in Italy. Uh-huh. And we made it happen. We drove four of them. We helped them drive through the borders of Europe. And they attended the, the exhibition. By the way, since then, they switched from fashionable shoes to making uh, shoes for the soldiers, which is another another oh. amazing, amazing story in itself. Um, yes. wow. I, and also, we had a client, a small business client, advisory client from Ukraine, which... M- we introduced, which moved part of their operations to Croatia. We introduced them to a local retail chain in Croatia, which is also our client. And now they sell their condiments in in Croatia, in the retail Mm -hmm. chain. So all of these are Mm -hmm. small, but very, very Mm -hmm. pointing examples in a way, kind of how how people want to make things happen and are thinking about how to help companies, but also people. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. it's across the board. Some of the stories are really, really, really heartening. Oh, wow. Those are amazing stories. Really, they are. And almost a sort of empathy that's come across as a result of people facing new hardships that were unexpected. Um, and so great people stories. Absolutely. Have, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that, oh, that's very heartening indeed, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, there's some amazing examples of what you're doing. I would love to hear more of them, actually. I don't know if we have any <laughs> have enough time for that. Um, let me just f- close with one thought. Uh, people talk about how, um, I think perhaps partly because of the pandemic, because of some of the, the global challenges we're all facing these days, that there's a sense that we don't look at a workforce anymore so much as a workforce, but as a community of people. Um, and that you, you know, in terms of well-being, that you're taking care of the well-being of people in your community, building the community. Um, and um just wondering if you have any thoughts about that. Is that does that ring true for the bank? And uh, is that... no, I think uh, you, you're very right, actually, because the nature of work and the space it occupies in our lives has been evolving and has been changing over, especially over the last past, I would say, five to ten years. Increasingly, what we see is that it 
work is becoming a place where many get their sense of purpose, but also the where communities are, are formed. And I can I can definitely see that happening probably across the bank, of, but importantly in, in 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 our team. And I'm proud that our team is doing just that. We are more than a workplace, colleagues. This is a place where we form very strong bonds, friends for life, yeah. uh, and support yeah. each other. Yeah. What yeah. what we do best, um, my team, but I guess the organization uh, and EBRD as such, is that we uh, continue to attract young talent. And because these are all one generation after the other, they have very different values and very evolving values. Being able to still attract young people, for me, is a testimony that we are still relevant, is that people relate to organizations with the values of EBRD, for example. And the culture of well-being and, and support is something which, you know, young people especially value. For example, we onboard every year a handful of young interns uh, who work, have the opportunity to work both here in our headquarters as well as in the field. For example, this year we have four of them. Uh, and um, it, it's amazing. It's amazing because they, they bring uh, new blood, they bring new ideas because now especially my team is focused on digital. So, and they're young people and digital is natural to them, not to me, but to them it's very, very natural. So, you know, they bring so many good ideas and we give them the opportunity to shine, which I think is very, very important for any young person. That's fascinating. And, and also what you say about, um, the, you know, this generation of people are really looking for well-being in the workplace. And yeah. if you can provide that environment that it's it's good for it's good for them and it's good for the organization. So that's yeah. wonderful. Well, thank you. We're running out of time, I'm afraid. There's so much you're saying so many interesting things. I hate to end the conversation, but um really appreciate your insights, Nadia. And if there's anything else in particular you'd like to leave our audience was with, you've said so much. Maybe one thought which came recently in a conversation we were having with um, with colleagues exactly on the well-being topic. Obviously, when festive times approach and come, they tend to bring out the best of us, the kindness of the human nature, which is amazing. But what I think I think we need to do more of and kind of consciously think about is to learn to carry this with us most of the time because being kind to each other can ease up the pain and help us go through the challenging times which we are living particularly the last couple of years have been very very difficult so what i realized that kindness can only help us go through this easier oh that's a lovely thought to leave us with especially in this december podcast so thank you very much for that nadia it's an absolute delight and inspiration to talk to you um, thank you and, uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, please do get in touch and please make sure to like our post of this video and the audio.